welcome. You're listening to the Equine Photographers Podcast, the place to learn from top equine professionals around the world as they share their experience and knowledge on what it takes to be an accomplished equine photographer. Now, here is your host, Peter DeMott. So, Pam, this is uh, how we start this out. We ask you a little bit of questions about your involvement with horses, whether the horses came first or the photography. So tell us your story. Well, the horses came first in the sense that I've just always loved them. Um, I wasn't raised in a horse family where everyone had horses and we were not horse people. Um, but I think I was born with the horse bug. Um and they were just something that I was always looking for when we were driving down the road or if I had friends who had horses, I always wanted to go over there. So they um, have always been a love of mine. Um, and I grew up going to camp that had horses. Uh, so you did do some riding. I did. Yep. Okay. Um, I, there was a camp near my house that I went to pretty much every summer from when I was eight years old until I was 16. And then I started working there as a wrangler. Um, I was involved in 4-H just a little bit. I had a friend who, her and her mom had a 4-H program, primarily horses. So I rode over there. Um, and then I, um, through working at camp and teaching riding, I decided that I wanted to go to college for that. Once I got out of high school, my dad was like, no, you can't make a living with horses. So uh -huh. I funny. did my backup plan, which was art, because I was always drawing um, horses and dogs. So I became an art major, and that was in Wisconsin, where I'm from, and realized I still had this longing to work with horses. So after a year and a half, I decided to work in the horse business and I got a job in um, Maryland at the Equilibrium Horse Center where I was uh, doing, you know, chores, but I was also giving lessons and had horses assigned to me in training. Um, it was a eventing barn and I was in charge of the workings, the work study students. And then through a friend I met there, I ended up getting another job in Georgia working. Now, where, where were you in college at this point? Um, well, college I had left. Um, I was at a, one of the state schools in Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, so Did I was you there a year finish? And a half. Oh, okay. Nope. I was only a year and a half as an art major, decided to take a leave of absence and work in the horse business and just kind of see what it was like. Uh, that's when I decided to go to Maryland, not knowing a soul. I found an ad in the Chronicle of the Horse magazine, and they hired me kind of through a letter I wrote them in a phone call. And my parents drove me out there and dumped me off, and then they came back to Wisconsin. <laughs> so, what was this place? It was called Equilibrium Horse Center. Okay. Uh, Ambrose, Maryland, near Crofton. And um, still there. I'm still in touch with the owner every now and then. It was a good experience, a good learning experience, but I had this desire to kind of, I wanted to be in the show world because I had, at that time, Greg Best was really big and Michael Matz was really big and Ann Krasinski and um, the people I would see in the magazines. I wanted to be around that world if I could because they were like my heroes and idols. And a girl I had worked with in Maryland ended up moving to a barn in Georgia and she told me, 
that there was a hunter jumper rider there that was looking for barn help. Um, so I ended up moving to Georgia and worked for Patty Stovall, who I spent the winter with in Florida. And I got to see those riders walking around and showing their horses. And I just thought it was wonderful. And I learned a lot again, but then I had this desire to come back to school. And that's when I moved back to Wisconsin. I was in Maryland actually nine months and I was in Georgia about six months. Um, I decided to come back to Wisconsin and switch schools, which is where I wanted to go in the first place. Um, so I went to River Falls, which has an equine program. And I got my undergrad in equine science. And was still at this time now, because I was back in the area, still working at the camp that I had worked at for years prior. Um, so horses were always just something I wanted to keep working with. And, um, well, I'd say you were pretty well immersed in it. Yeah. I mean, it um, wasn't, it wasn't something that you, uh, sort of kind of did. No, right. No. It was, it was my life for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, and through camp, I, we had a number of young horses that we would get that I would either start or further along in their training and they would kind of grow into our camp program and just come back year after year. So I trained quite a lot. I just really wasn't getting like a full-time horse job that I wanted. So I thought, well, camp has always been the one thing in my life that I've loved to do. So what job could I get that would allow me to do that? And so that's when I thought, well, why don't I become a teacher? (laughs) Because I enjoy working with kids I could still have my summers off to come back and teach riding at camp. So two years later, I ended up going back to school, got my master's in elementary education and became a teacher. So that's what I still do today full time and do photography as a side thing. So I know you as Pam Kipper, but I also know you as Pam Kipper Gabriel and your photography business is Pam Gabriel Photography. So, what's the story there? Well, I got married. <laughs> okay. So, your your new uh, name is Gabriel? Yes. Okay. And my business didn't really start until, well, I had started it just shortly, and I've only, well, it'll be seven years this year we've been married. So, um, my business, I kind of decided to try to make it into a business Shortly before we were married. So there's a few images out there that have Pam Kipper photography on them, but most of what you would see is Pam Gabriel photography. Um, So, yeah, we got married, and then I changed the name of my business, and that's that's where that came from. Now, are you still doing the camp thing in the summer times, or uh, are you doing the photography more in the summertime? Um, I am sort of the mentor to the riding program at my camp. The people in the office there aren't horse people, so I have offered because I love the program and I have just sort of a personal invested interest in seeing it do well. I've offered to sort of help out, hire, you know, find staff and hire and help train them in and um, just be of whatever service I can to the program there. So so tell me more about this summer job thing. Yep. It's yeah, not so- really a job. I, I'm, it's more like I help out. Um, as they need me to, um, I'm. I make. I don't even stay at the camp during the summer. I visit probably three, four times a summer um, because it's near my home where I grew up. So I go back and visit family and go check in on things on, at camp. And but I live here at home in Minnesota the bulk of the summer. 
Um, I have my horse that I still ride during the year. He's 17 years old. I got cowboy when he was just a weanling. So I trained him. I ride him during the summer and the rest of the year. And so my life is here at home in Minnesota, but camp is sort of a, you know, I, I like being a part of it still in a little sense. So when you're doing your own riding, are you trail riding or arena riding or what are you doing? Most well trail the place I'm at right now where I've got him, um, is a private hobby farm that some friends of mine own. So they don't have an arena facility or anything, but, uh, and he really cowboy would rather just trail ride. That's where his happy place is. Uh, he's bored going around in circles after laps. Um, so my friend and I bought a horse trailer together so we can haul different places and go trail ride. Sounds fun. So, yep. Okay, so you're you're in the same situation that my wife is in that in the summertime she rides a lot and in the winter she's a teacher. So and she has her masters also. So but now okay, so where did the photography come in because you're working full-time as a teacher? I see you're doing some senior portraits, you're doing some pets and you're doing some equine. How does that all fit into your life? Well, the Picture taking started back when I was going to camp also because when I'd go to camp, my mom would send me with some rolls of film for our old little camera and I'd come back with a handful of pictures of my friends and like four rolls of pictures of the horses that were at camp. That's where that all started. We also raised beagles when I was growing up and I was always taking pictures of the beagles Um, and we always had puppies around. So the photo thing today... Initially, when I decided that I'd like to pursue this as a business, um, I wanted to do just horses. In my head at the time, they were my first love, but really dogs are equal to. (laughs) So as I was doing and kind of getting started with horses, I realized, you know what, most horse people have dogs. And if I just stick with horses, I'm limiting myself with kind of a good chunk of a different market that's out there. So I thought, well, I will do horses and dogs and I'd be quite happy. And then I had some people start to approach me, kind of friends and just mutual acquaintances about doing senior pictures or family photos, which I hadn't really planned on. But um, at the time where I was boarding my horse, there were a number of young girls there, a number of seniors. So They knew that I took horse pictures. They would ask if I would be willing to do their senior pictures because they wanted them with their horses. Um, And that's kind of how I got into the seniors was through the horse girls at my barn. Um, And then it just branched out from there. So I do a lot of people now who don't have horses um, for seniors. And I still do some portrait work with horses, and I'd like to do more of that. So I feel like I might need to do a little more advertising to build that up again. Uh, And sometimes in the wintertime when things are a little bit slower, I will seek out things to do. I will ask a friend of mine or someone I know or I see someone's horse I really like on Facebook or whatever and they live near me. I'll ask if I can go shoot them just so I'm still doing something new and current and having fresh work to share. Do you like horses with their people a lot or do you like mainly just shooting the horses I like both Mm -hmm. I think um and some people you know not everyone's the same but most people like having a nice picture of them with their horse I know 
Um, I myself don't have that one picture of me with Cowboy that I will love and cherish for the rest of my life once he passes away. I don't have that picture yet, and it's making me nervous because he's 17, and it's something I'm thinking about before. I don't want to wait till he's 27, you know, and all gray in the face, and I want him to, I want to get him now while he's looking good. Um, so I feel like I want to give that sort of thing to other people as well, something that when, you know, their friend's no longer there, they have... That one picture that's really special. I have one of just him that is my one special picture that I've taken, but I want one of us together. So whether it's owner and horse or just the horse, it doesn't matter. It's kind of whatever's more special to the owner, I think, um, is what I'd like to give them. So I like to work both ways. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty of your business. Is it uh, fairly profitable or frustrating or, you know, how, how would you describe the business side of your business? Um, it's really, there's really not much to the nitty-gritty. It's kind of, it's kind of honestly something I do that I enjoy. I don't make um, a ton at it. I kind of make enough to replace my equipment now and then. Um, I make enough where I can afford to take a workshop, you know, and spend a week. I've done a couple things through EPNet that I've loved doing. Um, so it allows me to keep learning and growing that way and experiencing new things. Um, and it keeps me alive doing what I enjoy doing. And one day when I'm not teaching anymore, this is something I'll still have that I can you know, enjoy. Um, it puts a little bit in my pocket, but you know, I'm not ready to retire from teaching because I'm making so much from photography. Um, I'm just not busy enough that way to, you know, kick it into full time. So teaching has to stay for a little bit longer. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I'm in advertising sales and I make a lot of money at that. So when I retire, I'll retire into photography instead of out of photography. But, uh, I'm curious as, you know, when you price things, you price it as a professional photographer though, right? Yeah, not as high as many. Um, I, I do occasionally, I kind of, I have a few photographers in my area. Not all of them are equine photographers or canine photographers. They're just well-known photographers in my area. I just try to stay competitive with what they're doing in my area, in my market. Um, so I'm not giving my stuff away, but I also know that there's photographers whose work I greatly admire, whose price point is way beyond where I'm at. Um, and I just, I don't think I could make that fly where I live and with the clientele I typically work with. So, um, Can I'd you give me a, a general ballpark about, where, let's say, an average senior portrait ends up in terms of how much they might spend with you and an average pet portrait session? Yeah, they, um, it varies. I would say I offer a couple different sessions. I offer a one-hour and I offer a two-hour, um, and that's just for the session itself. When I'm all said and done, some people might 
they might just want a couple digital files that they can go print wherever they want, however they want. Some will spend a couple hundred extra on prints from me. Um, some might want a whole disk of images that I don't sell a lot of entire galleries of images. Um, depends on how many images. And then I ended up, you know, whatever I sell a single high-res digital file for, I'm not going to multiply that by 100 if they have 100 pictures in their gallery because they're never going to buy that. So I always knock that down. I do something that I think is fair, that I'm willing to live with letting go for that price, and they're happy paying that price. So um, when we're all said and done, probably most of my senior sessions are two-hour session, especially if they're girls. The guys, a lot of times, will just do a one-hour. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't even like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 10 and, minutes for guys a lot right. of times plenty and we got three shots we're good to go um horse you know i always do horses for two hours um so probably when they're said and done i'm looking average probably between three and five hundred depending on what they really want as a end end result whether it's a couple digitals or if they go crazy with buying more prints i haven't gotten into you know offering like a coffee table hardcover book from sessions, I'd like to make one of those just of my own work to have to show people. Um, but I'm a f I haven't offered that yet because I haven't made one yet. And I don't want to say I can make you this really great book because I know they exist. But until I make one for myself, I don't want to, you know, I think I'd love to have one for me. Um, and I'd like to offer them, but that's just something I need to sit down and play around with myself first so I know exactly what I'm doing. So if somebody does want one, I can produce a quality product that they're going to be happy with. Um, right. I've been, I've been doing that a little bit. Um, I do the leather bound, you know, heirloom quality, uh, photo, photographic albums. And I did a 10 by 10 charge $795 for about 30 images in it. And, uh, she was, absolutely delighted with it so her horse was 27 so she was like i need to get these pictures taken yeah so just like you're yeah. thinking about it right so i feel like canvases are one thing i'd like to sell more of but it seems people can find really good deals on canvases themselves in other places that they're not going to want to pay my price for a canvas they'll pay for the digital file and then they'll go get it printed somewhere else. So canvases for me aren't a real big um, seller. So I'm trying to, and I don't sell, I don't really don't sell many larger prints as it is. Um, I like to talk to people about like the standout prints or the float wraps or the metal, um, just something that's a little different there that they're maybe not as familiar with as a canvas. Yeah. So. But canvases are, you know, they're, seems like they're quite available now to the common everyday person. So. Right. The nice thing about these uh, photographic quality albums, not press printed, these are photographic printed albums. And they're much more substantial than the press printed books. So you feel like you can sell for hire. So that's kind of nice. Well, how do you market? Tell me about that. Uh, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, 
a lot is I try to post a lot on Facebook. I've recently, since summer, become an Instagrammer. I feel like I'm probably a baby Instagrammer because it's growing slowly. Um, But I feel like Facebook has kept me busy enough. Um, But mostly word of mouth and Facebook. I... Um, I have sent in the past, I've sent like mm, postcards to some barns in the area, just kind of as a little introduction, letting them know I exist and offering uh, barn mini sessions if they wanted to have me come out. But that hadn't really produced much of anything. I do better with friends of mine who are boarding at a barn and then they set it up, you know, um, once I have an inside connection at places. So um, really a lot of word of mouth and Facebook, like I said. Um, so, okay, let's say you do a barn event. Mm-hmm. How do you charge for that? Well, like if there's what three or four horses or something. Yeah, I try to do a minimum of four. Okay. Um, and that the mini session is something I've kind of struggled with since I first started doing them, and it's sort of changed. Um, I really do most of these right before Christmas. Uh, it's sort of a holiday thing that people have come to know that I do. Um, and I feel like I give kind of a price break at Christmas. So if I would normally do this any other time of the year, I would charge more. Um, when I first started doing these, a couple of my photographer friends who have become friends over the years, I saw that they were doing them. So I started chatting with them um, on Facebook or email or however we did it a number of years ago. Um and the first time I did it uh, before Christmas, I didn't charge anything. It was just you had to pick one of two packages, basically. Uh, but there was no fee for the session itself. Um, and it was a 15-minute mini session. So I was doing four an hour. Um, and that's kind of how that evolved. I did do them again this last year. And this time I was charging, I charged $60 and they got three digital images for that. And I say that now and I feel like, God, that's still really cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, well, for 15 minutes. But I got minutes. a lot of people to sign yeah. up and do them. And I felt like, you know what, it's Christmas. It's something I'm just, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be sitting at home. <laughs> so... It gets me out. It gets me meeting people. Their friends are going to see the pictures. And again, it's, it will lead to other work. Right. Um, so. Well, yeah. And then if people want a two hour session, they know they're going to get a different, you know, package. Um, what about your senior porches? Is it through school or, or is it also word of mouth friends and such? A lot of word of mouth, a lot of, um, they saw, they had friends that graduated last year and they like their pictures. So then they contact me this year kind of thing. Um, I have three step kids and they have been spread out probably two, three years between them as far as being a senior in high school. And the youngest one right now is a senior. So that sort of helped a little bit too, doing their pictures and then their friends see their pictures. Um, so, and then it's just people we know because family and friends of the family so um they've been helpful in that sense so yeah again word of mouth it's 
really think that's the best way to go. And then it's a sort of a personal, you're a real person experience that somebody knows, you know, you're not just some other photographer. Right. Right. So tell us a little bit about balancing full-time teaching with your photography. Well, this time of year in Minnesota, there's not a whole lot going on with photography. So okay. You a lot of Everything lot of is snow. snow and ice covered. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so right now, this time of year, I do a lot of looking through images I've taken in the past. I have done, uh, I did the EPNet workshop at the Sombrero Ranch two years ago and took thousands and thousands of images. Last summer, I was at the Powderhorn Ranch in Wyoming on another workshop, the Women's Retreat, and took lots and lots of images there. So some of those still, I haven't even looked at all of them yet. So the winter when it's kind of downtime gives me time to go back and take a little closer look at images I haven't taken a peek at or maybe, you know, crop them in tighter and look at a certain part of a picture that I liked before, but realize that maybe I just want to, you know, edit it differently um, and turn it into something that I like more. So this time of year, that's kind of what I've been playing around with and, um, so you'll, sit, you'll sit on the computer for a couple hours in an evening and just play yes. around. Yes. And things start to kind of pick up a little bit in the spring once the snow melts and things are not ugly and brown anymore. Uh, start to get some green then uh, outdoor. Because I don't work in a studio at all. I shouldn't say at all. There's a studio in St. Paul that I can rent space from if need be, but I hardly ever have a request for that. Most of my clientele likes to work outside as well. Uh, so we're kind of waiting for Mother Nature to get things pretty again. And then during the summer uh, and fall, everything's busy. And by busy for me, I'm sure is not as busy as someone who's doing this full time or a whole lot more than me. But um, I probably had... 20 seniors I did last year. And for me, wow. that's a good number. That's a nice um, number. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of, I start getting calls and inquiries probably springtime for seniors, you know, for next year. Uh, just they're shopping around trying to get ideas. And um, then I do horses in the spring, summer, fall. Dogs are something that I want to do more of. And that's actually another thing I do in the winter because we don't need to worry about dogs' winter coats looking all shaggy and raggedy right now like horses do. So dogs, I have in the past set up a little... I do have some studio lights and I've got some different backdrops. So I've invited some friends to bring dogs to our house a couple different times in the past. I set up a little studio. I shove the couch and the chair away over to the wall and <laughs> have a little studio in our living room. Um, and then I just do dog shoots for a day and that just gives me a chance to, you know, practice my lighting, which I don't use very often. And, uh, just again, have new dog pictures to share. So it would hopefully draw in more business. So I try to find things to do in the winter when it's real slow that I don't normally do. Mm -hmm. Um, so now are you busy with the, with the kids for much or, I mean, are you taking them to football and basketball and this and that no, and the other the two oldest ones one's off in college uh the oldest one he's working full-time lives in an apartment um and then so it's the the senior who's 
he drives, he has a car, so he's quite self-sufficient. So my husband and I don't have a lot of running around to do that way. So it's, it's pretty quiet and pretty mellow most of the time. <laughs> I've got two dogs that they keep me busy. And so we spend time with them. I go see my horse and just check on him in the winter pretty much because it's all ice and I can't really ride him right now. So Right. So I was going to ask you, when when does it, when do the horses lose their coats and shed out and photography starts up there in that cold yeah, part of the country? It can depend on the weather, but April, probably May-ish. We, when I was at camp during the summers, we would still have horses. Some of the horses would come still a little shaggy at the beginning of June. It would just depend on, you know, what kind of spring we had. So they, then a lot of it depends if the people blanket them or don't blanket them or if they're in a barn or not in a barn. And so there's a few factors involved with them shedding out fast or not so fast. So it does take a while. And then, of course, everything's brown and muddy and the horses are all covered in caked and mud. Yes, mucky and gross looking, so nobody wants anything probably till June-ish mm-hmm. when things are a little more solid and green. Well, so here in Dayton, Ohio, I would say mid-May is pretty good if it's not too muddy. But the foliage is out by then already, so it looks nice. So where can people reach you and uh, can they email you and ask you questions? Of course. Okay. I can be reached on Facebook at Pam Gabriel Photography, or my personal Facebook is just Pam Kipper Gabriel. I have an email, which is Pam at Pam Gabriel Photography. My Instagram is also Pam Gabriel Photography. I try to keep it pretty consistent. <laughs> uh, but they're welcome to call me. My phone number is on my website. I believe it's on Facebook. So what's the website? PamGarablePhotography.com. You got it. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, letting me interview you. I've admired your work. You do very nice images, and uh, I'm proud that I've had this opportunity. Well, thank you, Peter, and I'm honored that you asked me to interview with you, so thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for the Equine Photographers Podcast. We hope you were inspired to grow and improve as an equine photographer by listening today. Join us for the next episode to learn and grow and to be inspired as we interview some of today's outstanding image makers.